Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Everybody's Bad with Money. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ. We're so excited to be back with you today. Yeah, <laughs> so for our second, second podcast. Let's do it. Let's do it, Amelie. How are you doing this fine evening? I am doing all right. I have had kind of a long week. I feel like my work is getting busy again. Our summers are typically like our slow season and and then fall, winter is super busy. So I'm getting back into the swing of things. It feels like back to school, but back to work. <laughs> and um, I had a really interesting day yesterday. I, long story short, I went and got my blood drawn and it made me feel real weird <laughs> and just like tired all day and kind of nauseous. And when I get tired, I get super emotional and I was just doing a lot of thinking, um, really diving into myself. And I was thinking about, I guess what I'm working on right now is my sensitivity, I guess would be the best way to explain it. And being okay with how sensitive I am, because I think growing up, I didn't love the fact that I am super sensitive and I'm just working and kind of accepting that part of myself and it's really tough. Um, and it led to me having a super long conversation with Frankie about it and kind of getting his opinions on my sensitivity and how we're really different in that way. And it was just a really like emotionally draining day, honestly, but in the end, it was good. We had some really honest and like really good conversations and I'm sure we'll get more into that in this podcast. That's awesome. That, uh, How are you? Yeah. Uh, oh, um, one thing I wanted to say about your sensitivity yeah. is that, um, of, of course you're sensitive, like emotionally, like you're sensitive with the food that you eat and like your reactions. And I yeah. had this epiphany um, a few, I remember writing it in my journal when I was in Asia, cause I, I was like, oh, I'm sensitive. Because, <laughs> and cause it's like how you are in anything is how you are in everything. And I was like, oh my God, like food affects me. Like things affect me. I remember, cause I remember being so firm that like, I'm not allergic to this. I don't have a sensitivity to that. And like all that stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm like, like you, I'm super malleable. Like I'm very sensitive um, to like, I'll wake up in the morning and my skin will be gorgeous. And then I'll eat something and my skin will look absolutely horrific by like 8 PM. So it's crazy. Yeah. I I, I was just thinking that I was like, of course you're sensitive. Like you're sensitive yeah. period. There are just negative connotations with that word, unfortunately. Yeah. And so I'm trying to think of it as more like thoughtful and empathetic, but really like sensitive encompasses all of it. It just is unfortunate that I grew up thinking that that was a negative thing. And so I'm trying to reclaim that word and say, no, I'm sensitive and it's totally fine. And it's actually a really positive thing for me because it makes me who I am. It makes me really empathetic to other people and it makes me like identify with people's emotions, but it also comes with some not, I wouldn't say negative, but like less positive things. Like I need a lot of downtime and I need a lot of alone time to recharge. Yeah. And just, you know, trying to be okay with that. Yeah. I think of the word sensitive, like very watery, like as like porous or um, reflective, like that's how I've reclaimed that word for myself. I just, am like, I'm water. Like I, and I know that in a lot of relationships in my life, like I'm, I reflect back what's bringing put at me. Um, yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, oh my God, wait, one more thing about that. I just think that like <laughs> so much of, um, and then I'll tell you how I am. Um, so much of life is like re- reclaiming those like negative thought pattern, negative belief patterns or core beliefs that are negative um, and making them like something that you are proud of. So like, for example, like, um, one could say I have ADD. Someone can say that I'm an overthinker. Like you think too much. Um, I'm just like, I have my Gemini and Mars and I have this little man who runs around my brain and he tells me he just talks a lot and I just watch him. Um, I'm like reclaiming that as my own. And, and also like, 
I, I was working with my life coach for a long time working on, um, like I would say ADD and she's like, you know, don't, don't say that neg. And I'm like, I don't feel like a negative connotation towards that. Just like, I don't feel that way towards OCD. Like I love when I'm in OCD mode. It feels so good. And it doesn't happen very often. I'm fortunate that way. I mean, I'm I'm sure when people are suffering from like chronic OCD, that's a, that's terrible, debilitating for me. I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm going to be organized for once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I like that. And it's really interesting because I was feeling like really insecure about it. And I talked to Frankie about it a lot and we had some interesting conversations about our relationship, which I'll get into. But at the end of the day, he said something to me and it really resonated. He basically just said, okay, you are no different than you were this morning. Like just because you have identified with this word sensitive that you think has negative connotations, like doesn't make you any less you. And I was like, wow, good point. True. And then I went to sleep. (laughs) I was like, good night. I'm so tired. Next. (laughs) I love it. Um, okay. So how am I doing? Um, I really want to hear how you are. So I am using my brain in, 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 in ways that I've never used my brain before and it's exhilarating and exhausting. And I also feeling like the, the, the fall air, you know, energy of death, which is that things die in the fall and, um, things are coming to a close and, um, so much of my life's work is learning how to let go and to trust and acknowledge that what must die must die in order for things to grow. Um, and there's when things, it, it just makes perfect sense, like in the calendar that these things would be happening in my life right now, like things would be dying. It just doesn't make it any easier on like the ego when you're like, oh, you're leaving. Why, why are we're done with this or this project is over or things aren't flowing as like easily as they do in the spring and the summer. Um, so I'm embracing that and, um, and yeah, that's me right now. It's an opportunity to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not ready to slow down. I don't, Mm. I don't think I'm there yet, but soon. Um, yeah, I'm curious to reflect on that and like be like, is this a time, like, where do I want to pause right now as I'm, you know, building my brand and creating a podcast and going into the second in- institution of the course that I've created and getting new clients and, um, you know, I, I, I'm curious. And also it's a really interesting time, like in the corporate world where like things get really busy until the holiday and then there's like a stall. So and true. then, and then it picks up again. And then my nervous system has always been in hospitality and service. So it was like, this was the slow time. And then it picks up in the, in when everybody else slows down and then speeds up again. So, uh, it's just, it's, it's cool to be in collective. It's cool to like, see your own stuff and then know that like, there's a collective energy affecting everybody. Um, and also everything going on with the presidential debate is obviously um, causing everybody a lot of feelings, but we will yeah. podcast. Yes. Yes. I'm sure we will one day. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but not today. So today we're going to talk about relationships, which is, I say my favorite topic, but I have so many favorite topics when it comes to money and finance and, um, and all that stuff. But I love, 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 love relationships and, um, talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. And when we say relationships, we're talking about romantic relationships, friendships, relationships with your coworkers, your parents, you know, all of those are different types of relationships and they all are are affected by money and affect money. So it's all related and it's all on the table to talk about. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking about this today. I was, um, singing Miley Cyrus. Um, and she actually has like a, a really good voice and I am so insecure about singing. 
and it's devastating because I have a pretty decent voice. And it's funny because like I was talking to my friend and, and we were talking about the class by Tara Toomey and in the class by Tara Toomey, she like has you scream out things, like scream out affirming things. And I'm scared to do it in my home, like virtually, because I'm scared to like scream really loudly, um, like in a really affirming way, just kind of like the same energy as singing. Um, and so I was thinking about how I, um, gosh, if I had had like mentorship and support when I was younger in terms of like, I wanted to be an actress, if like I had had that encouragement I mean, who knows? Not that I like am the greatest singer in the world, but you don't need to be the greatest singer in the world to make it big or just to have a successful career or to feel empowered to be able to sing. I think that's really what's lacking is like, I don't need to be like a, the next Miley Cyrus, but it would be nice to feel confident in singing um, because I do really enjoy it. And it's something that really makes me feel grounded. And so I was thinking about that, like, I really care what people think about me. And I'm really comfortable saying that because it's turned into this beautiful thing where I really invest in my relationships to the point where it's like, I, I never wanted to be the smartest person in class. I never wanted to be the most talented. I never wanted to be the best at anything because I always wanted to be liked. And mm, I- Interesting. And I shamed myself for a really long time because I knew I wasn't living up to my potential um, in like, you know, getting the best grades or like, you know, really intentionally focusing on something. Like probably yo yoga and budgeting were the two things that I like took for myself. And I did, and when I take something for myself, I devote my entire life to it. Like I'm doing this training right now and I'm like, I'm 31 and I'm one of the oldest yoga instructors in this training. Like I taught, I've taught for eight years, you know, like I'm going to devote my life to this because it's, it's something me, me reclaiming myself that, you know, and, and taking something for myself and not trying to be liked or, or be other. And it's That's so, so interesting. It's mind blowing. Cause it's like, and I just have radical acceptance for it because I, I, I just, that's where my energy has gone for my entire life is in relationship. So like when I say I love relationship, like <laughs> I, I mean it and I, and I have made sacrifices for relationship. I, I analyze relationship, friendships, parents, like, that's where I, that's what I'm thinking about. When you're thinking about like, what are people thinking about? You know, like, um, what's a hobby that people have? Or like, I'm trying to even think in like high school when like they're focusing on their SATs. Like, that's just not what I was focusing on. And it was clear. Based on <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. That's so, that's so funny because I mean, I consider myself somebody who is thinking about relationships a lot, but I was the person in high school who wanted to be the best, like fully. Like I didn't care what people thought. I wanted to have the best grades. I wanted to have the best SAT score. Yeah, I'm, and it's definitely because I'm like a three on the Enneagram and I, it's like, it's like caring what people think, not wanting, but not to be liked. It's like, I wanted to be, the best because acclaim motivates me. That's what it is. Mm. Not like, not like being liked. It's like, I, I want to be the best. Something I really have to work on. <laughs> well, I, if you asked my friends from childhood, they would say that I want, that I wanted to be the best because I like was so extroverted and I would do everything, but mm. I know I, I sabotaged. I did not want to be the best because if you're the best and I, and I remember when I discovered this at like 14 or 15 years old, that in order to be exceptional at something, you had to sacrifice, you had to sacrifice. So like, for example, like one of my best friends was, um, training to be an Olympic, um, ice skater. 
And she like got to 13 or whatever and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want boyfriends and I want to have friends and I want to like go out and hang out with people. And if she had continued on that path, like she wouldn't have been able to um, socialize. Yeah, that's and, so true. And, and, it's, and it's just, you meet people who are exceptional in an area and they're super laser focused. Like look at, I mean, Elon Musk is a great example. Like he's a weird as fuck. Like <laughs> he's brilliant. He's absolutely- Oh, you, Elon. You, you meet very few people that are, are well assimilated and extraordinary at something. And so I always battled with that where I was like, I want to, I wanted to be extraordinary. I thought that I was destined to be extraordinary but I sabotaged the whole way through because I cared what people thought about me and, yeah. I, and I never wanted to be, I never wanted to be too unreachable. I, I'm relatable AJ. Like I can relate to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, if I think back on like high school and college, I was really prioritizing like friendships and relationships because that is what's important to me. But I still wanted to be the best. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I, I was I willing to put in the work. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Oh, okay, because I was like with my friends having a good time. But if I really like, that is truly what I wanted. And I probably if somebody had really like taught me discipline because I don't feel like I was I had no discipline growing up in my childhood whatsoever. I think that I it may have been different, but I just like I don't think I made the connection like you did between working really hard to achieve something. Until I went to college, I was looking at people who achieved things and I did not understand how they got there. Mm -hmm. I was like, how did you get so good at what you're doing? Even like getting a perfect SAT score, I was like, I don't understand. Like this isn't coming naturally to me. I didn't understand that you had to really, really put that effort in. And who knows like what would have happened if I did understand that. You know, I am who I am and we're here and this is what's happening and this is what has happened. But I really wanted it. I just don't think I knew how to get there. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about how the nights in my high school would be spent from like 7 p.m. to like 1 a.m. talking to my friends, like individually. Like I talked to one friend for an hour. She'd have to go have dinner. Then I talked to the other friend until 10 o'clock. She went to bed. Then I would, if you know, when I was dating my boyfriend, then I talked to him. He'd go to bed. Then I talked to Jess, who was the night owl, and we'd read each other um, serial, like serial killer stories from an encyclopedia on serial killers. And then I go to bed. Like that's wow. not somebody who is prioritizing homework and no biology. That sounds exhausting to me. Oh my God, though. No. Is the best. <laughs> You're such an extrovert, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like such an introvert, but I'm certainly an introvert. I'm an extreme introvert in an extrovert's body. I need explain. To be, I desperately need to be alone. I am a sponge. I'm so sensitive, and I need to recharge alone. Um, and so, like, COVID has been fantastic for me in yeah. the sense that I, I'm really happy being at home because I have such depth in my relationships and phone calls, even with, I mean, the work I do is so deep. So yeah. I'm like, really, I'm good. And, and then I'm like, I need to be done talking yeah. to people. Yeah. What are you on Myers-Briggs? Do you know? Um, I did it. I did it at some point. I think I'm a two. That's the Enneagram. <laughs> What is it? Am I too? totally, totally different personality test? So funny. Oh, okay, great. I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. I'll do it and I'll let you know. Great. Um, okay, but so we, this is a money podcast, so we should probably talk about how relationships affect money. But I thought it was important that we discussed the the lineage of relationships and how it, because they're so ingrained in our relationship with money and totally. vice versa. Yeah. Um, so when I started doing this work, it was a pretty radical move for me because I was so, un I was so comfortable in 
the the uncomfortable <laughs> the uncomfortable ability. I was so uncomfortable. I was so comfortable in being uncomfortable. Thank you. I got it. Um, in in I was so okay being the poor friend, even though I was miserable being the poor friend. I was I was okay dating guys who didn't make a lot of money or who looked at me like I was this wild child, you know, like I didn't. So to take my charge of my finances was automatically going to start changing my relationships. And, um, I knew that, but what I learned is that when I started to take charge of my finances, people started seeing me differently and I could show up differently. And I, and when people are like, you can't change somebody else, but you can change yourself. And then that changes your dynamic and you be, get to embody the person that you truly want to be. It's um, so true. Yeah. And it's so true. And, and when I started, like I was, I was talking about it in the course this week, cause we were on the topic of relationships and um, how I went from the poor friend to I'm the friend that everybody calls now to talk about money and get advice from and work with, or just to tell me, like I have friends who call me and they're like, I just wanted to let you know that like, I'm under 30%, you know, um, from my, you know, debt to credit ratio. And I'm like, amazing. Or like, I didn't buy this thing or, it's just incredible. And, and it, it's, it, I get to show up as the person I wanted to be. I hated being unreliable. I didn't want to be the late friend. I remember I had this friend out of college and we were really close and I was always late to seeing her. And she wrote me this letter when I went to travel and I lost it. And she said, I saved it because I had a feeling you were going to lose it. Oh my goodness gracious. And okay. she, and she was like, you, and she was like, I mean, I was in a bad place and she was, and everything she said was right. And yeah, like we never rebuilt that relationship after that. And it was obviously one that didn't need to be rebuilt, but, um, it was, a, it was, I never wanted to be that person. I want to be the person who is dancing the horror at your wedding, um, is, vibrant and there for you can be fully present and the person who is showing up at your grandma's funeral like those are that to me you don't just get to be in the good you, I want to be in all of it I want I want to hold your hands I want to be a support I want to be there just to say hi on a random Tuesday like you can't do that when you're in constant stress and anxiety about money you just can't anybody who says you can are they're liars because I lived that life and I couldn't be a fully present and embodied friend no, it's not, lover. it's not possible. It's not yeah. possible because you have this whole other world that is constantly taking a portion of your brain power. And so if you are, have something in the back of your mind, you're not showing up in those relationships as fully yourself. You are not able to exactly what you were saying. You can't be fully present with somebody because you have this thing in the back of your mind. And the way that it really showed up for me is before I started working with you, I remember that most of the conversations I would have with my friends were me stressing out about money. And I just didn't have enough emotional energy to really be there for them. And I feel like that was a time in my life where my friends were really supporting me. And of course that, you know, shifts with relationships and time and that's natural, but it was not okay. Like, I would go to my friends and truly just complain. And like, even Frankie, I remember um, just like constantly complaining about money and my job and how I was unhappy. And I wasn't bringing my best self to my relationships because I wasn't in control of my life yeah. or my finances. It makes me think of like the Marianne Williamson quote, like when you let your own light shine, you unconsciously give others permission to do the same. And if mm. like you're showing up with that energy of like, my life sucks, like I hate this, I'm so stressed. It's like, that's, where do you grow from there? And something that I'm really passionate about is like when I'm going through a really difficult time is like one asking for support, but also like, rem like I actively, even if I don't want to like call my friends and or family members and just ask them how they are and hear what's going on with them. Like, it's kind of like a lifeline because you can get so... Um, I can get really resentful 
it's this like, it's this little demon that lives inside of me called resentful. And, um, and she's such, or he is such a poison. And I, and it, and it, it, it literally poisons my heart. And, um, it makes me think that there's nobody in my corner and it's like, I watch it like infect me and the, and I, and it makes me do things that aren't like, if my nature is, I want to reach out, I don't want to withhold. Like Mm. when that, that resentment comes, I just want to, I want to retreat and be like, you weren't there for me. Why weren't you there for me? And yeah, people, people aren't mind readers. They can't be there for you if you don't reach out. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, and, surprise. <laughs> and everybody's going through their own shit. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. if, and if you don't, and every relationship is different. Like I, I certainly don't have the same expectations for everybody. Um, certain friends I know who I can rely on at this point in my life. And I know I can't. And if like, I feel like somebody hasn't been there for me in the way that I need them to be, then I'm going to say something because I can, I want to be as present with somebody as possible. And if I'm withholding information about how I feel about them, then I can't be my most authentic self. For example, like I think, oh, what happens a lot with friends with money is like someone owes money or someone has been, um, someone owes money or someone has given money and it's never been addressed. And they just keep hanging out, but it's this like ginormous elephant in the room. Oh, I remember hearing this story, different topic, but same thing where like, it was like roommates and the roommate was like cheating on, like the girl had a boyfriend and they were cheating. (gasps) And I was like, how did she sit and have dinner with you and wine with you and cheese with you? Like how? And, and it's sitting there and it's there. And for people like you and me who are so sensitive, like, it doesn't even have to be me. I could be like, it could be somebody else. And I can feel that I know the elephant is there. I don't know. I might not necessarily know what it is, but it is there and it will manifest in some way. Totally. Oh, 100%. And you know what happens? What I see a lot in friendships is not even that somebody owes somebody money or it just, it's almost like it feels like someone is not taking advantage of the other person, but like people have different relationships with their own money. Yeah. And especially at like the stage that we're in, in our lives, especially the stage I'm in, in my life, it's like people are a couple years out of college. They're still trying to figure out their money situation and like save money. And it's just like a whole thing, you know, especially with women, I feel like we have a lot of work to do, to be honest. And so it, what often happens is like, not that somebody owes the other person money, but there's this like unwritten resentment that one person wants to go out to more expensive dinners or like wants to, is like always wanting to get like expensive drinks or whatever it might be. And there's like a mismatch on what what people want to do. And then if you have this one friend who's like always wanting to spend your money, it becomes so, such a big source of resentment and it's like if you're not going to have that conversation and say to that person you know what I would really prefer to like cook dinner together because I can't afford this but it's like people don't want to be that person because they want to seem as though they have it all together and like have all this money to spend so then you end up getting yourself into debt or like being resentful because you're spending money that you actually don't have and so getting your finances in order and being honest about your finances literally will lead you to have better, more honest relationships. 100%. And I think another area that you can see that is in families. So, um, because I mean, we can talk about friendships for days, but I think that there's like a really great chord between what, like that resentment you're talking about and families, because there's such an entitlement when it comes to families. Like you should do this for me. I expect this. You're my family. Like, aren't you supposed to be this for me? And I certainly had that feeling like I felt like extremely abandoned by people in my family and I was so angry for so long and it, it muddles the way you interact with them. Cause you're like, you owe me, you know, mm-hmm. and like yeah. you weren't there for me and all this stuff. And when you can work past that, cause it's like, you should do things for me. You should buy things for me or whatever, 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 some, you know, 
whatever, however you project that I, it exists in so many people like, Oh, well, if you're well off, then you should give it to me. It's like, why? Yeah. You know, with like, like, um, like let's say, um, families that have like really wealthy aunts and uncles, but they were raised modestly or vice versa. Like they were raised really wealthy and their parent and then, um, their cousins were not. And like that dynamic's really interesting. And there's a lot of like uncomfortability there. Like if you're not all kind of raised the same and there's like this expectation and all of that stuff. And, um, and when you get to just show up and like receive the gifts of who they actually are, which is really the whole point. Um, basically what I've learned is that when you don't expect you receive so much more. Oh yes. Yep. Yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. I think the key is fine is that you have to become aware. And I always, I remember when I used to have like, there, you get to a point in your life, especially when you've been doing this work for so long where your epiphanies aren't like as grand as they were when you were like, for me, like five years ago, like me, you know, maybe I would have had one like three years ago, but like when I was first starting yoga and first doing personal development, my epiphanies were like literally fireworks. It was like, Oh my God, I cannot <laughs> believe I realized this about myself. Now they're like much more subtle and softer and um, yep. yeah. Less like my whole nervous system is in shock. I'm like, Oh, welcome new friend or old friend that I haven't visited in a while. And, um, and I remember being like, cause the, what would happen is I'd have the epiphany and then immediately the anxiety of how am I going to fix this? problem with like this thing that I see about myself I don't like yeah right wanting it to be fixed right now not and, wanting to put in the time yeah and I'll, no also like genuinely not knowing how like I'm mm, like I've lived yeah. this way in my life this whole time like how am I going to change this and then and then realizing oh um the awareness is is the the thing that's gonna is the vehicle of change oh totally and that's always going to be the first step you can't do anything without that first step yeah. Which is where like money comes in because it helps you become aware and like really analyze your circumstances and like take accountability for your life. Yeah. And then from there, more change comes. It's like a, like a snowball. It's like once you start creating that little ball of snow, <laughs> which yeah. is getting your finances in order, then it like starts rolling and rolling. And there's like all this other work on top of it because you're actually taking time to like pay attention to yourself, which is self-care, which is why budgeting is self-care. Yeah. I really want to talk to you about romantic relationships, okay. specifically your romantic relationship with Brett, because I think that this is a really amazing example of how getting your finances in order can change your relationships. And I would love to hear you share your experience. I think it's super important. Cool. Um, so I'm going to share from like before Brett. Well, okay. so, so I'm going to go back to 2003 when Brett and I first became friends. Um, 2003. Damn. Yeah, I was 14 years old, right? This is so funny to me because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're more of like not a romantic than I am. I guess that's what it is. I think you're just more of a romantic than oh, I am. I'm and I can't wait. I cannot wait to hear you like tell this story because it's just so not who I am, but I love it. Like I love it about you. I really do. <laughs> um, me and one of my best friends, Andrea, we always are like, I love love. I love love. Like since oh we were God. like in eighth grade. That makes me like, cringe. I love love. Oh yeah. No, no I would such a romantic. literally have never said that in my life. I, I have never once in my life wanted to date somebody. It just happens. It's the weirdest thing. Anyways, this is not about me. This is about you. And I want to hear your story. My lovely, lovey friend. <laughs> I love love. So, um, okay. Um, well, oh, now I want to go back to my grandparents, but I won't. Okay. I'll start at 2000. We're starting in 2003, 17 years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, I was in going into ninth grade and I had like a like a boyfriend, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it in middle school that I dated basically all of middle school. And it was a horrible, horrible relationship. And it was my first relationship as like a, you know, cerebral cortex kind of yeah. relationship. And it really did a, 
a lot of damage to me. He, that relationship really fucked me up. And can you give us a little bit of just like a brief overview of, of why? Um, I, we were in, we were in every single class together for three years and we didn't speak to each other in person and we would talk all for hours on aim like every day so creating that belief that like i don't deserve to be seen and heard and um and the relationship ended because he called me manipulative he called me he said that his therapist thought i was manipulative and and so that really like fucked me up and then i thought and now i like again i've reclaimed that word and i'm like oh i totally can be and, and wait, I thought, sorry to interrupt you, but I have to ask you, what was your AIM scream name? Smile72298. Wow, that's so on brand for you. <laughs> Mine was Pink Chocolate 707 because I had a pink chocolate phone. That was my first phone. That was not my first phone, and that's really dating us. <laughs> yep. Um, that's so okay. Funny. Middle school boyfriend. What happens next? Do you yes, regret? So, no. So then, no, this is important. I we break up in like probably like February. I like, it's so traumatizing that I remember um, like the specifics of it because it's like, it's still in my DNA. So I, that was when I first started working on myself where I was kind of like in and out of friend groups. I was really redefining myself because the relationship was over and we still had to see each other every single day until 12th grade and never had closure, never dealt with it ever, ever. I still dream about him all the time. Um, and, um, I started doing community service and activism and I got really involved in that and felt really good. I started doing better in school. Um, I got like, most improved on the volleyball team, which was like such a shock. They, and they were like, we just honestly, like you're an okay, they didn't say this, but they were like, you're a good player, but we really gave this to you because something's changed in you. Like you've really take, you're really like being like changing and being thoughtful and caring. And so I was in a good headspace because I was like working on myself at like 14 years old. I didn't know that I was doing that at the time, but I felt very like enriched. And so when I went to camp, I, we started hanging out with the boys and then there was Brett Schneider and Brett had, um, a girlfriend. And so you don't like boys that have girlfriends when you're a good girl. And, but we developed a relationship. I would sit on his hour. I would sit on his hours. I would sit on his lap at camp, like at canteen every night. Um, and that would be like two, three hours. We would just be like looking each other in the face and talking for hours of God knows what. Um, a little sketchy if he has a girlfriend, AJ. You know, it didn't feel that way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know it just, it was camp. It like didn't feel that yeah, way. Yeah, of course. I get it. I get it. And I remember being like, there was, there were two things that I remember the most from Brett from then was he was like, I, um, like he was like, my girlfriend isn't perfect, but she's perfect for me. And I remember being like, I want to find somebody who's perfect for me. And I remember that that was like a theme, even though I didn't think about Brett, like after that summer, probably again for 14 years, but it was always something I was like, I want to find my perfect for me person. And then the other thing was, I remember being like, I want to find my Brett. Mm. And, um, it's not funny. Yeah. And he kind of just like renewed my faith in like guys and he was such a nice guy and I just felt so safe with him. And that was it. And then like, he never went back to camp. I, I moved on, dated other people and, or not that I dated him, but I just like moved on and found another nice Jewish boy from Long Island and dated him. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and the story goes on. And so years later, I am, and my, my friends are going to love this because, um, if they listen, which they better, (laughs) (laughs) shout out (laughs) because, um, because so the way that I described my middle school boyfriend, but I said that he took my heart and he smashed it into a million pieces on the floor. And so one of my best friend, Brittany loves to bring that up all the time. She's like, remember when he took your heart and smashed it into a million pieces. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and so whatever, I had tons of successful and successful relationships. And then I started dating this guy. I was waitressing and I started dating the chef. And, um, and it was like, I was addicted to him. Like it was chemical. It was just all chemical. There were so many red flags, like all the red flags you can imagine. And I didn't want to see any of them. I was just so enthralled and attracted to him. And he just made me feel so sexy and alive. And I, but like, oh, it was a rough time in my life. And I really needed support. And he just absolutely did not want to give me any of it. He didn't want to be in relationship with me. He made that abundantly clear. And I just kept ignoring it because I kept thinking I was different. And I was like, he's going to, he's going to change his mind because once he, like, he sees how like into each other we are, whatever. And so when that relationship ended, the world like looked gray. And I, I have, I had, I became really good friends with, um, this amazing person who, um, is a medical intuitive and um she talked to me a lot about um the nervous system and she was like you need to go get a journal right now and you need to do the hanapono prayer um and every time like you think about him because i literally like every thought had to have him in him i was truly like addicted ocd to him um you need to write it out and then write the prayer which is i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you and I did. And what that was doing is it was changing my neural pathways so that every time like the nerve, like my body wanted to think about him, I was redirecting the neuron. So I would stop creating that groove. So that was like, Can you explain that prayer a little bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, my thoughts about it. So go yes. for it. I just want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. Um, I'm Some pretty minute. sure you are. I love you. I'm sorry. Something. I'm sorry. <laughs> please forgive oh. me. Thank you. I love you. So I wanted to get, I want to make sure that was clear. I'm yeah, sorry. Absolutely. Please forgive me. Thank you. Love you. Yeah. So for me, that prayer really um, is about self. So, um, you don't just have like a negative thought. You're not just like, Oh, I'm thinking, you're not just thinking about the, the dude who broke your heart. You're thinking about the, you're thinking about how you shouldn't be thinking about the dude who broke your heart. You're thinking about how you should be better than that, how you shouldn't have let yourself get your heart broken. Um, all those feelings. And I find that with that prayer, you're, you're apologizing to yourself for all the shame, the negative talk that you do in between somebody else hurting you. Cause a lot of it is like, I should have known better. I shouldn't have let myself get hurt like that. I'm yeah, a failure. So I'm, I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. And so that's kind of how I took it that like, and also genuinely forgiving them. Like he's the greatest thing besides Brett that ever happened to me because he brought Brett into my life. Like, I'm so grateful for him. If I see him, if I ever see him in the future, I cannot wait to give him like the biggest hug and be like, thank you for bringing me the love of my life. Like, I'm so grateful for his existence. I'm so grateful for all of my ex's existence because they taught me more about myself and they brought me the love of my life. Um, so like genuinely forgiving them for the hurt and also apologizing for the projections that I put on him. Like he made it very clear that he didn't want to be with me and I ignored that. And so I was apologizing to him because I, I made him someone he wasn't. Like he didn't actually have to, he could be that big of a dick, but I also could have made him that way because I kept saying, I don't care that you don't want to be with me. I'm still going to want to be with you. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at it. There's a lot of folds to it. Um, so that was one of the works that I was doing. And then I was getting my finances in order. And I, in getting in this relationship, I, sorry, going back before the finances, I also realized that in the relationship, I wasn't being seen and heard, um, which is clear because I wasn't seeing and hearing my finances. And I also had done this work where I was looking back at all my relationships in the lens of my grandparents' tenants for a healthy relationship, which is love, respect, and trust. And I realized that- And communication. 
and communication. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's Nana's new pillar. She added yeah. up five years ago. Love, respect, trust, communication. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, li- I love it so much. It's incredible. So what I realized is that in every relationship, even including the chef, that there was something missing for him. It was definitely trust. And I didn't trust him at all. And, yeah. and, and then when I really looked at it, I was like, oh my God, I'm not respecting myself. Like, look at my finances. Like I literally am living in my sister's apartment and I can't afford to pay her rent. Like I don't respect myself. I don't respect my family. I don't trust myself, you know, and I certainly was not showing love to myself. And so I realized that in order to bring in that partner, I was going to have to embody those beliefs in myself. So getting my finances in order was the vehicle that I learned how to love and respect and trust myself. The yoga certainly helps in that and showing up. Like I used to take my life so um, thoughtlessly. I would, you know, like, Oh, I'm not in the mood to go teach yoga. I'm not in the mood to go to my waitressing job. It's like, I just cut that bullshit out. And I was like, I'm going to show up always in my life. I'm going to just show up. And so I, um, I, so I'm doing all this work. I'm working with a personal trainer. I'm like in getting my finances in order and I'm living in Brooklyn and my roommate, um, pull my roommate um is like we're gonna move out so you can stay here or find somewhere else to live and i was like you know what i'm just gonna let i'm like in such a good place right now i'm just gonna be in flow and something's gonna pop up and i'm not gonna have to figure it out and my friend who i was telling you about who taught me the prayer um laura she's amazing she calls me and she's like would you like to live in my boyfriend's apartment in brooklyn um for five months for free and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> oh God. That's such a perfect example of changing you, the way that you interact with the universe and then like good coming from that. It's the same thing with your finances. It's like, if you keep telling yourself that you're broke and that you don't have any money, you will never have money. Yes. It's yep. like change that perspective. Start telling yourself that the universe is abundant and that there's plenty of money out there and that you love money and money loves you and it, and it will come. Yeah. I, Oh, I'm such a firm believer. Yeah. I changed my mind. I said, I have amazing real estate karma. That's what I said. I just made it out of I never, I was like, I've lived in so many places. I was nine months before this. I was homeless. I literally slept on in my, a friend from work's not even her bed because she was house sitting a dog for a month because I was homeless. Um, yeah. And then I turned it around and I'm like, I uh, have amazing real estate karma. <laughs> what does that even mean? I just made it up. And then look what happened. And exactly. And, um, one really fun temptation moment is that, um, this ex-boyfriend, not even ex-boyfriend, we never made it official, reached out to me and, um, and we were texting and he was like, do you want to come meet up for a drink? And I was like, I was like, no, I'm actually like, I'm good. I'm like hanging in tonight. I'm really not focusing on being spontaneous right now in my life. And he was like, oh, like, why is that? And I was like, actually, like I had, I just got my heart broken and I'm, I'm ending my heart. And he was like, was it me? <laughs> I was like, no, you asshole. It was not you. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I'm so sorry that I had hurt you, you know, from like years past. And I was like, you know what? You did hurt me. I want you to know that you really hurt me. And I'm so grateful for the lessons you taught me. And I wish you all the best. How powerful. And he never texted me ever again. Of course. Of course yeah, no, he didn't. It was, it was amazing. It felt so good. And so I'm feeling great. I'm looking great. I've done all of this work. Like every day was work work and work and work on myself and really, really enriching my soul and learning how to love, respect and trust myself and communicate with myself. And, um, so by the time the, our friend's wedding comes about, I'm feeling amazing. And I remember I was talking to an astrologer the day before and he was like, 
you're going to meet somebody and it's going to be this magical love and there's no doubt about it. And, but don't expect him to be your typical Long Island Jew. So I'm about to go to this wedding of all Long Island Jews. So I'm not anticipating meeting the love of my life. And I'm, so I'm at this wedding and I guess I'll tell the fun story of that. There was, um, there were these giant cheese sticks (laughs) and we, so the, the cocktail hour was on the side and, um, and all I'm thinking about the whole ceremony is how much I want this cheese stick. <laughs> I'm like, I want this cheese stick. So oh my God, I love you. <laughs> and so I like, as soon as the ceremony is over, I beeline for the cheese stick. And if it's like, it's literally three feet tall. And so I grab the cheese stick. I have my purse. I'm on grass with heels. So I'm sinking in. And then I see like a like a meat station. So I, I have to go get some meat and then I get my champagne. So I literally have no hands. I like look like um, the Tyrannosaurus Rex from Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> like, gotta make it have little arms. And I see Brett's, Brett, but from behind, and I immediately know it's Brett Schneider. Like there's nobody else it could be. And I was like, oh my God, Brett Schneider. And so he turns around and he's eating me and I'm like standing there like this and I'm like, Brett Schneider? And he's like, AJ Walbrum. And we're like, recognize each other for the first time. And then we got, we walk away, we come back together. Cheese stick is eaten. Um, and we're all we're taking a camp photo together and we're chatting. And, um, he's like, so are you still dating that guy from camp? And I was like him with his girlfriend over there who during the ceremony asked me if I was dating anybody. And I was like, no, I'm single and I've never been happier. And I meant it. And there have been plenty of times in my life. I did not mean it. And I meant it in that moment. And um, I was like, no, I'm not still dating him from 10 years ago. <laughs> and he was, like, he was like, oh, cool. I remember like I had a crush on you, but I, he goes, I remember I had a crush on you, but I had a girlfriend at the time and I'm very loyal. How cute. But I forgot to mention that the first thing I said when we were alone was Brett, I loved you. And I just said it like that. It was, it was not like I was in love, like you were, I was just like, you were my favorite person at camp. Like I loved yeah. you. And that's when he said that he had a crush on me. And that was, that was it. We spent the entire night together and then we were walking. Um, we left the, the wedding and like went to sit on a love rock. And I, he was telling me the story about how his boss was like, you can marry, or one of his co- coworkers was like, you can marry your best friend or you can marry your wife. And like, your wife is going to raise your children and she's going to be phenomenal. She'll be a partner or you marry your best friend who like you go and do everything with in life. And I was like, well, what are you looking for? And he's like, I'm looking for my best friend. I want to have a family. I want to have kids. I want to have the home and all that stuff. And I literally was so uncomfortable that I was like, so what about work? (laughs) Like, (laughs) You just swept right over it. I love it. Oh my God. And he, and I, we talked about it later and he was like, yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, yeah. How do you respond to hearing the thing you've always wanted to hear? Um, and in the, you know, within the first few days of us talking, I was so nervous and I was like, I don't want to get hurt again. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up. And I just kind of communicated that immediately. Like within maybe four or five days, I was like, I don't want to get hurt and I'm scared you're going to hurt me. And he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, so powerful. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. And then, um, he came to visit me because he lived in DC at the time and I lived in New York city and he came to visit me and was like, he walks into this luxury apartment building. He's like yoga instructor, luxury apartment building. Hmm. Not making any sense. And I immediately like within five minutes of him being there was like, I'm in a lot of debt. I'm working on paying it off. I have a payment plan. I'm I am, this is a priority for me because I want to get married and have kids and do all the things that you talked about. And I don't want to bring that into my marriage. And so I can't go. Excuse me. Bless you. Just drank some water, went down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, the worst. I'm sorry. I'm so into your story. Go ahead. Keep going. Um, I'm going to take that as a compliment. That's why you drank the water incorrectly. Um, So I... I just like kind of laid it out on the table. I didn't tell him like the exact numbers because he was so respectful and he's like, we will get into that, but like, I am okay with it. And I was like, so we can't go to restaurants and you expect to go Dutch with me. Like I can afford to do certain things, but there's a lot of things I can't afford to do. 
Um, like you have to know that if I'm coming to visit you, I'm going to probably have to work like 20 days in a row just to take off too. And, um, and he was like, okay. And then, um, the next time I visited him, he was like, let's go take a walk. So we took a walk and we were holding hands and he's like, okay, tell me all of it. And so I told him all the debt and it was like the student loans and my sister debt and the taxes and not filing taxes for five years and the credit card debt and everything. And at first he was like, okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Um, and he's like, all right, let's untangle your life. And so he, Brett is, um, does uh, or was doing budgeting and forecasting for financial companies. And he created like a, a much, uh, more in-depth budget for me and at the top of every month he would sit with me and because I had to, because my money I waitressed and I taught yoga and because if I took off work I didn't get paid so every month we had to like project and forecast what was what income I was going to bring in how many extra shifts I had to had to work how many extra classes I needed to pick up to go to that wedding to come visit him and all that stuff to pay off the debt and and then when I filed my taxes he was right there with me um working through the irs the the new york state the new york city the business the personal and like creating that those spreadsheets with me and brett likes to say that he taught me everything i know and um i mean he kind of did um and i remember when um when i moved to dc to because he bought his place a month before we started dating. He also was doing a lot of work on himself and he was like, I wanna like settle down, buy a place to live, find the girl, get married, all that stuff. And he, it was like one month after the other. <laughs> and um, and we, were, we were driving to, I was really stressed because I had taken this project management job that I was so unqualified for. And I kind of knew that it wasn't gonna work out. And I was so stressed about money and I had worked, I was working three jobs, like probably 60 to 70 hours a week for like two months, just to make sure that I had enough to move to DC. And Brett was like, this is my financial reality. We held hands the entire time we drove to DC. And he's like, this is my financial reality. This is where I like to be in my checking account. This is what I have, where I like to be in my savings account. This is where I, you know, this is where I feel comfortable covering you until you get your feet on the ground in DC and blah, blah, blah. And we held hands the whole time. And we've always had that open, transparent communication about money in pretty much every area of our life. Um, and why I brought up the first story of Brett and that horrible breakup is that there's, it was so bizarre that like in the, in the time when like I've had transformational relationships that like broke my heart and I had to rebuild them myself, that threat reappeared in my life, not once, but twice. Yeah. That is so crazy. That's like full fate right there. Yeah. Um, in Judaism, there's a word called Bashar and it means meant to be. And it was something mm -hmm. I was pretty clear to the universe that I wanted because my sister and her husband have such a Bashar relationship. And I was like, I want that. I want a Bashar relationship. I want something that feels like bigger than me. Yeah. Um, and Brett is like really everybody, like he really is the better half of me. Like everybody, <laughs> lo everybody loves Brett. He's everybody in my life loves Brett. They are, he, he adds so much capital to the AJ brand. Like my friends are just like, I love you and Brett. <laughs> so great I mean yeah I I definitely love that story so much I think it's such a perfect example of what getting your finances in order can do for you and like bring to your life because it's so clear to me the correlation between you working on yourself and working on your finances and then Brooke coming back into your life like it's just so clear you know and yeah. it's exactly what was meant to happen yeah, there's a couple of things. The first was that we asked each other if like five years before that, if we would have ended up together and we probably wouldn't have. Like, yeah. We would have had a lot of fun. Like we were both like young and like doing really cool stuff and like exploring really interesting things. But like we probably, it would have never worked for the long term. And then the second, which is I asked Brett, like probably like a couple months in, I was like, have, was it always you? And he was like, 
I think it might have been, you know, like it was this. I remember, I mean, me and my best friend Madison would literally sit there and be like, what are our husbands doing right now? Like, I've always been cheesy. I've always wanted to get married and have a husband. And I love that, that part of life. And so I always wanted that. And um, when I met Brett, I was like, oh, he didn't come too soon. Like it was mm, the perfect yeah. time. Like, I remember being like, I, I should be finding him at this point before him. And then when I met him and I was like, I found him exactly when I was meant to find him. Like, it felt like every moment before him was perfect because it brought him and like, that's all that mattered. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like, especially looking back, you would never have met him and like been the person that you were to meet him. You know, like you had to become the AJ that you were at that moment in order for that to work. And so you needed to have all of those experiences, which is just such a beautiful way of looking at life. It makes me more of an optimist because I am just not (laughs) that same way. Uh, I mean, I'm a pretty positive person, I would say, like not fake positivity because like fuck that, but I am so not a cheesy romantic at all. Oh yeah. At all. I'm like slab it on, (laughs) get cheesier. You know, we balance each other out. I like it. Yeah. That's yeah. I've a, I don't even know how you and Frankie got together. You know, that might be a conversation for another podcast. A little right, teaser for our, for our Ooh, listeners. Our next Ooh. one. <laughs> <laughs> I will certainly tell that story. It's, um, I wouldn't say it's quite as romantic. Although there's some, there are some romantic aspects, you know? <laughs> we, we also definitely talk about the fact that if we had met a couple of years earlier, it never would have worked. Like, we, we were meant to meet each other when we were so that we could be the people that we were when we met. Yeah. Super, super important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, on that note, probably going to go snug up to Brax. I'm feeling extra lovey right now. Ah, so cute. So cute, so, she says. <laughs> so cute. All right, Daria. Do you know what Daria is? No. Um, it was a show on MTV, and she has a monotone vo- voice. I can't, I don't know another pop culture reference that has a monotone voice. You know, I'm sure some people will get it. I love it. Oh, I am sure. I am sure. Um, I also didn't grow up in this country, so a lot of, like, things that happened when I was younger, like, people will be like, do you remember this? And I'm like, I have literally no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> and I feel like I'm missing out sometimes, but that's okay. Honestly, um, probably didn't need the scrungy machine that made scrungies. Like, you're good. I certainly need that. What are you talking <laughs> about? All right, maybe that's now. Like, Something I desperately need. Um, (laughs) That's actually hilarious. Well, on that note, we definitely have a lot more to talk about. And we'll keep talking about relationships because it's been made very clear how much relationships relate to money and vice versa. So there's just so much to unpack there. I can't wait. And if you have a money story with relationship, we'd love to hear it. So please email us at everybodysbadwithmoney at gmail.com. And we can talk about your money story with relationships and how it's affected you. Yes, we would love to hear from you. We will certainly be reading listener emails in the future and you know, sharing in your stories and giving advice to the best of our ability with our knowledge. So we're super excited to do that. Cool. Can't wait. Okay. So Amelie, what are three things that you're grateful for? Okay. I am grateful for tea, especially in these colder times. Um, I'm, I don't drink any coffee and tea is just my jam. Um, I'm super grateful for Frankie. We had like a really crazy, weirdly emotional day yesterday, as I kind of explained, but it ended up being really good and like really positive for both of us. And I think we were, we like were needing some like serious honesty. (laughs) So I'm grateful for that. Um, and I'm grateful for, I'm honestly really grateful for the fall and I'm such a summer person, but I am like loving 
slowing down and being cozy and like this colder weather it feels so good to me I like take walks every morning and it's 50 degrees and I'm bundled up and it's like exactly what I need right now so I'm grateful grateful for that that's awesome what about you it's only 80 degrees in DC right now oh Um, gosh um okay I am grateful I am grateful for my sister. She's turning 31, five. Um, <laughs> I just realized that she would not be happy with me telling her age, but whatever. Sorry. Um, I'm really grateful for my sister. She is an anchor in my life. And um, I'm so excited to celebrate her birthday from afar on Saturday. I am grateful for Acai Eagles that I make at home. Um, they really make me feel so nourished and that I'm like really taking life by the horns and (laughs) making something out of it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, um, I'm really, I'm really grateful for, um, for this time to slow down also and, um, and, reflect on what I, what my highest values are. Yeah. Always good to come back to you. Those are, those are three great things. So funny how sometimes I feel like I can rattle off like a hundred things that I'm grateful for. And then sometimes it's a lot more difficult and that just goes to show how important it is to come back to that. It's a practice. Yeah, it really is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your lovely, cheesy relationship story thank you thanks um, for listening it only made me cringe a couple times <laughs> just kidding, oh, I'm just kidding. i love it no <laughs> I, I absolutely love it um and i can't wait to continue talking about relationships because i think it's super important me too well thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk to you soon bye everyone thank you bye